if you are providing AI solutions, there's got to be an ROI, either in terms of revenues and profits or reduced costs. And so you've got to be able to show your end customer that your AI isn't just cool, but it actually improves the performance of your enterprise. Welcome to Lion Tree's 2023 Outlook series. I'm Laura Clinton with Kindred Media, and this year we'll be presenting sector-specific overviews from our Lion Tree managing directors, leading up to the January 17th release of Lion Tree founder and CEO Arya Burkhoff's annual Outlook interview with public markets lead Leslie Mallon. We are here with Michael Kim, a managing director in our Lion Tree San Francisco office, who leads up our software team. We do want to touch on the recent pullback in valuation multiples this year. What is your outlook for 2023? Do you think valuations will recover? And what do you think has driven this recent pullback in valuation multiples in 2022? We believe that the valuations have really just gone back to the pre-COVID valuation framework for software, where good companies, really good, high-growth, defensible companies trade at mid to high single-digit revenue multiples. And then it sort of goes up and down from there based on the value you provide to investors in terms of growth profitability metrics, et cetera. Do you see that having a larger impact on more emerging companies that were really just getting their footing in 2022? Yes. So the challenge for emerging companies, and so we'll think mostly of privately held companies that may raise venture capital or seed capital in this environment, is that the availability of financing is much lower. There's just fewer dollars being allocated to companies today versus the heady times of 2020, 21, and then the long bull market that was eight to 10 years prior. Really, it's more a scarcity issue versus valuation. I think if you're a high performance company with a real mission and a great management team and plan to execute, you can get capital. You just have to be more realistic about your valuation and the terms. But overall, I think what we'll see is that there will be fewer companies receiving financing because there will be some winnowing out, if you will, of the business models that don't really survive a prolonged kind of economic downturn. So it's really just this competition that's forcing more practical applications of these technologies to come to the forefront now, as opposed to more kind of moonshot visions that we might have seen a year ago. I think this five seconds, yes, we're sitting here in Silicon Valley. And so there's a lot of folks that are trying to create disruptive technologies. And some of the best companies were founded during very tough economic times. But I think we'd say the average company trying to get financing in this environment with a business plan that doesn't have a lot of visibility into revenues and profits, it's going to find it much harder to raise today than 12 to 24 months ago. Folks that are developing technologies that are relevant now, that have strong demand, where if you sell your product, it's super sticky and it's a lasting tech. Those types of companies can finance in any market, again, subject to just being realistic about what the terms are out there. And what other sort of trends should we be on the lookout for as we go into 2023? I think you're going to see leadership mattering in this world. I mean, there are thousands upon thousands of software companies out there. And fortunately or unfortunately, it's a little bit of asymmetric warfare. If you look at the big software companies, Microsoft, Adobe, Salesforce, ServiceNow, 
they have an unfair market advantage relative to these young upstarts in that they have just a lot of scale, a lot of resources, a lot of capital, global reach. So what you'll see is an environment where end customers are tightening their belts. The advantage tends to accrue to those larger, well-capitalized companies. They just are better able to navigate these tougher times. So we think leadership matters in 2023. You've got to be, you know, it's the old GE model, one, two, or three in your market. And that gives you a fighting chance through what seems to be a prolonged, economically uncertain environment. AI has been impacting software for some time. What areas of software is AI having the greatest impact right now? If you look at 2021, there were 800 companies receiving venture funding in AI. And it was, I think, almost $100 billion of funding of AI companies in this past year. So what you're seeing is the proliferation of AI across all sorts of use cases globally and things that you and I as humans wouldn't see. But think of it as AI could be applied now to make complex supply chain decisions in this crazy supply chain disrupted world that we live in. AI can interpret MRI scans 10 times faster than the average radiologist can today with a lower error rate, AI can predict the better employee to try to hire out of a candidate pool, often better than what the human element might otherwise predict. And so it is quite pervasive. I think we see that maybe a third of the Fortune 500 uses AI today inside their company. But what we see is an incremental 40, 45% of those enterprises are building those capabilities for the near term. What are your expectations or predictions for AI adoption and applications in 2023? Do you think we're at an inflection point? There's a lot of AI being built for an economic use case where if you are providing AI solutions, there's got to be an ROI, either in terms of if it's dollars and cents, it's revenues and profits or reduced costs. So you've got to be able to show your end customer that your AI isn't just cool, but it actually improves the performance of your enterprise. 800 companies received funding last year for AI. The odds of all 800 being super successful in the next several years are fairly small, but you will see that companies have a much better chance today than five years ago when the opportunity set that AI was being considered for was much narrower. Do you anticipate that there will be a bubble around AI investment? If $95 billion goes out the door in one year to AI companies and 20% of new computer science PhDs are focused on AI development, and the next largest bucket is 7% for just general software engineering, that tells me that the level of focus is a bit inflated and there's going to be a bit of a capitulation, a shaking out of the category over time. But you always see this when engineers, entrepreneurs see opportunity for the next decade. Lots of engineers and entrepreneurs go focus on that, raise capital and chase that opportunity. And I think we're at the front end of that bell curve where everybody's building, 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 but we're not yet at the point where that shakeout happens. So inevitably that will happen, but it's good for the AI market to see this much aggressive activity and certainly hopeful for the next 10 years to come in terms of the application of the technology. On a similar point, I think often about Siri and Alexa and all of these customer service applications having female voices and female names. And I'm waiting for the first AI male assistant. What do you think? 
Yeah, look, you're right on it. AI has to operate in a way that is good for humanity. And if you're just tuning models based on data, you can end up with the wrong outcome and the wrong experience for your end customers. As you talked about recruiting, there's a great company called HireVue that is a recruiting software business. They use AI to evaluate candidates that do video interviews. It's a video interviewing platform, but the key is their data aggregation and analysis of those interviews to help pinpoint good candidates and who will be successful. They have to toe the line between what kind of data they can use, like should they or shouldn't they use facial recognition technology and factoring in as they load up their models and set up their algorithms. And I think they made a decision to not use facial technology as a result because of what could happen in terms of the skewing of the data and the bias. And so those decisions have to be made very, very carefully. But I think we're all looking for smart, thoughtful, and responsible AI versus just AI that makes humans' lives a little bit easier. Technology is power in commerce more than ever before with significant growth in e-commerce through the pandemic. So with a potential downturn on the horizon, what is your outlook for e-commerce in 2023? I think the long-term secular trend for e-commerce is positive. I think what we're living through is the fact that that category just had a tremendous run during COVID. If you look at the e-commerce enablement platforms like Shopify or BigCommerce, and you looked at how much consumers were transacting online versus in-store, et cetera, it was almost an unsustainable level and a shift that would ultimately revert back as people were able to safely move around and shop the way they're used to doing historically. If you look at what Content Square does, I think that's where a lot of the secret sauce is, not just providing the channel and the basic content to be able to go shop and have a shopping experience. But if you look at consumers, they're very demanding. They have a ton of choice. They're very well researched in this market. They know what they want to go after. And so as a brand, you need to be able to engage with those customers very smartly, or you're going to lose them to your competition. Content Square can help you understand how 10 million users will come to your site and use your website, optimize that experience, but they can also come down to Laura Clinton. They'll understand exactly what your experience was on any particular website and be able to curate that experience towards you with their data and analytics platform. So it's not just about e-commerce, it's about optimizing that experience. And that's what drives customer loyalty and repeat customers and ultimately top and bottom line for brands. How are you advising the companies that you're working with to prepare for choppy markets in 2023? It depends on the company, but I'd say generally what we're saying is assume that the unclear market environment protracts. I think folks in January of this year felt like there's going to be a 12 to 18 month uncertainty period and to plan for that. I think we're telling folks to add another 12 months to that at a minimum and just kind of have a rolling view on market certainty and uncertainty. The interest rate environment isn't clear. And I think the, the Fed policy directly influences high growth industries like software in terms of valuation, availability of funding, M&A activity. It's all impacted. And so we're telling our companies that we work closely with to be optimistic, but to, again, assume that there's a bit of a protracted uncertainty period versus what we were hopeful for maybe nine to 12 months ago. So that impacts your capital strategy, that impacts your M&A strategy, that impacts hiring and headcount. And so what we would expect companies to be doing is trying to build 
lasting businesses that can go through the next 12 to 24 months with a lot of confidence that on the other side of a market downturn, they can reinvest and invest more aggressively like typical software companies would for the long-term growth opportunity. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to tune back in on January 17th to hear LionTree founder and CEO Arya Burkov's annual Outlook interview with public markets lead Leslie Mallon. Available everywhere podcasts are found.